Mommy's Podcast. It's called A Slice of Paradise. I'm so glad you're here. I hope you enjoy it. Or, or. <laughs> okay, welcome to episode two of A Slice of Paradise. Today's guest is Brittany Bartley, and welcome, Brittany. We're glad to have you. So happy to be here. Okay, good. What is your slice for your episode? What slice did you choose? My slice is red velvet cake. Okay, and tell us why you chose red velvet cake. I have no good, juicy, heartfelt story, just the fact that it's delicious. Just delicious, and it is delicious. It was made by Mitchell, of course. Um, he killed it, knocked it out of the park. He nailed it. He really did. Even layers and icing in between the layers. There's like um, <clears throat> some like strawberry juice on top, which is really nice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so good. <laughs> it's moist. A lot of people don't like that word, but it's moist. We like that. <laughs> Anyway, so thank you, Mitchell, for making the cake for us and, yes. and Brittany's slice. It's delicious red velvet cake. Okay, Brittany, so um, I brought you on because I love what I know about your story. I don't know much about your story, but what I know about you is that you're a friend of mine and your dad passed away when you were young, um, tragically. And so maybe let's just start where you can walk us through what happened, how you got how you got to Texas and what happened after that. Okay. So, I mean, I had a pretty normal childhood in my opinion. My dad was in the Navy, um, grew up on the East coast. It's me, my dad, my mom, and my two older brothers. Um, you know, we got along well, we were a happy family, you know, that annoying family that just, was happy and we didn't have anything wrong with us. We weren't crazy. We weren't alcoholics. You know, we were just a good normal family. And when my dad retired from the military, he ended up getting a job out in Texas of all places. So what did that look like? Do you remember what that looked like where he found a job? Why, why Texas? And yes, it was horrible. So he, of course, he interviewed all across the country and he narrowed it down to either coming to Texas or going to Tennessee. And when he had told me his, you know, his final two options and the ones he was debating on, I looked at him and I just knew. I was like, we're going to Texas, aren't we? <laughs> and I was picturing like tumbleweeds, horses, cows, just dirt. I was practically picturing West Texas. Okay. And, well, that makes sense. <laughs> and it was terrifying. You know, I wanted the beach. I wanted moisture in the air. I didn't want to live in a desert. So, and he did not discourage me from thinking these things. So he, uh, he let me think that I was going to be living in an old Western movie. Uh, so, you know, it was, it was hard. I was not happy. I was 15. So I was a moody teenager and I did not appreciate everything that Texas has to offer when I came here. So, uh, it was, it was pretty miserable at first and the heat was no joke. That first summer I could have died. I think I was, my my body was not ready for it. (laughs) How do you feel about Texas now? I've learned to love it. And I mean, I was 15 when I moved to Texas and I'm 31 now. So I've spent more time in Texas than I have anywhere else. 
So I feel like Texas has just claimed me. It's home. It we is. Love it here. I know. I don't, I don't know if I could leave it now. Okay. So you moved to Texas. You were 15 at the time, I think, right? Yes. Okay. And so um, tell us how that went once you got here. Um, you know, we went through the adjustment period of going from a big city school to a small high school in Palestine. And, uh, you know, I, I learned to love it pretty quick. Um, you know, you learn real quick that it's nice to be seen as a person and not just a number in a school. That's and true. that was pretty big in a small town. You know, the teachers actually knew me. And that wasn't something I was really used to before. And, mm-hmm. you know, these teachers had known these kids since they were babies. And so it was really neat to see. And uh, I like to think I kind of started to fit in pretty quickly. You know, it didn't take long for people to notice I was a new kid. I think all it took was them calling, you know, roll in class and they would say my name and I would just say here and they would hear my accent and they'd be like, where are you from? <laughs> and I would just look at them and be like, excuse me, where are you? Where from? are you from? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So uh, it, it was different, but I learned to love it. And I don't know, there's something special about a small town. Good. So I'm thrilled that my kids get to grow up in a small town now. That was what I was going to ask you. Um, now that you have kids, you can you can appreciate the um, smaller town feel and and atmosphere better because you've you've seen both. And I, my husband's the same way. has was kind of raised in a bigger school district in Houston and moved here in high school and really appreciates the small town feel and wants to raise our kids there. So I can I can understand why someone would pick either way, but I yes. of course am partial to a small town feel. Yes. Okay. So you came here and everything changed um, for your family on a random day in May. Tell us that story. It did. It was, it was May 5th, Cinco de Mayo. Everybody was happy. I was looking forward to lunch at school that day. Um, You know, nothing better than having tacos and everybody was all excited. And it was my class before lunch period. And it was math. I had a big math test. My dad had helped me study for it. Um, It was toward the end of the school year. So it might have even been like our final exam. And uh, I was super pumped and I was ready. And I was in the middle of that test. And there was a knock on the door and they came and asked for Brittany to come to the office. Well, of course, there was multiple Brittany's in my class. Mm -hmm. And another Brittany got up and left the room, thought nothing of it, continued on with my test few minutes later they came back and they're like nope not that one and they pointed at me I was like great what did I do now Mm -hmm. Uh, so I got up and I went to the office and it was pretty pretty clear pretty quick that something was wrong you could just everybody had it all over their faces people were crying in the office and I don't know something inside of me just knew I thought to myself somebody's dead somebody's gone so I made it to the principal's office and it was just my mom in there Uh, They walked me in, closed the door, told us to take our time. And my mom, of course, was upset. And she looked at me and she said, he's gone. And I said, who? And before she could even answer, I had said, was it Brett, my oldest brother? And there was just something in me. Me and him were super close and kind of reckless at that age. So I figured he had done something stupid and something had happened to him. And she said, no, it was your dad. And mm-hmm. I just remember screaming, throwing my books to the ground and, you know, very quickly gathering myself 
And, uh, you know, my mama said we could talk about it more at home. You know, we just, we needed to get out of there. That wasn't the time or the place for me really to dig into what had happened. And so, uh, you know, we made that awful walk out of the office where everybody could, you know, see how upset we were, of course, and mm-hmm. uh, made it home. And there was already a, a group of people at the house that had happened. The accident had happened earlier in that morning. But my mom had known that I was really looking forward to getting this math test out of the way. So she waited as long as she possibly could in hopes that I would be done with my math test oh my uh, God, before mom. she came and got me. I know. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I went there and family, well, some family, there was friends that we considered family that were already gathered at the house and whatnot. And it was just the next couple hours were kind of a blur after that, just a lot of people coming and going. And, you know, we hadn't been in Texas very long. So a lot of these people, I didn't know who they were. A lot of them were people that worked with my dad and, you know, they were catering to my mom and. I'm sure they were catering to me some too, but I was a shy kid and that situation was just very big for me to really process. So, uh, it was, it was a very, it was a long day, a very long day. So for the next few days, um, what do you remember? What, what, I'm sure you had to have a funeral and all of that. I'm sure family came in. Was there ever a time when, um, you were allowed to go back to the workplace to kind of walk through what happened? There was, um, it was probably a a few weeks, couple weeks, maybe after, um, they invited our family out. I, at the time was too young and I don't know if age was the whole issue or if maybe family wasn't sure how I would take it yet, but either way, I did not go out and see, um, the rest of the family did, um, you know, they had, we had several people explain to us what had happened, but, you know, there's still times now when somebody can tell me what happened and it's like little bits and pieces I remembered, but some of it I didn't, you know, at 15, you're, it's like your brain isn't built to process that kind of information yet. Well, and high emotions, I mean, that was all brand new to you. And so I don't know that we covered this, but, um, it was like a tragic workplace accident. Um, in a production environment, something that was a freak accident from what I can tell from what you told me. Um, Not really anyone's fault in particular, just something that was just an absolute freak accident. It was. Yeah. Um, And so, you know, in that being the case, you know, to try and have them explain, you know, the machinery involved, you know, you can't even try to picture. And of course I was a girl. You know, girls don't know much about that stuff at that age, you know, so it was it was very different. And I did end up going out there probably a year or two later. And I was able to go out there by myself with just one other person working there uh, who I hold very dear to my heart. And uh, he walked me out there and he showed it to me and he explained it the best he could and was open to questions. But it was still at that point, even, you know, being older and having time to process what happened, it was still just so big, just such a big thing to comprehend. And what, and I mean, we didn't know what happened, right? You know, everybody can kind of come up with their own ideas of what could have, or, but it's just, it's so hard to really gauge what happened. And sometimes that makes it easier 
You know, we don't have to blame somebody. We don't have to be angry at anybody or hold anybody accountable. It was just a a freak thing that happened. So there's always going to be kind of an unknown factor in it. But how do you feel like you coped in the next couple years? I think I did pretty well. I went through the phase of shock. I went through a very small, luckily a very small phase of being angry. Um, Luckily for me, my anger didn't stem toward anybody uh, necessarily. I was definitely just angry that he was gone. Mm -hmm. You know, angry it was me, angry it was my dad, angry that, you know, my family had to go through it. But, you know, that quickly turned to gratitude that it didn't happen to somebody else. You know, how could you wish that upon anybody else? You just can't. So, you know, that attitude adjustment, luckily for me, came pretty quick. Um, I don't know. I didn't really, I guess I probably went through a small rebellious phase. But uh, (laughs) being that young, I wasn't, you know, going too crazy. I couldn't do much. Um, But uh, it was... I don't know. It was just, it was truly a journey. There was good so times. had some anger. You said you yeah. were upset about it being your dad. Um, but, yes. but, but you said you jumped out of that really quickly. And I think it's important. And you've, you and I have had this conversation before where um, people grieve differently yes. and may stay in that angry stage a long time or maybe never get out of it. Um, but it seems like you were able to find joy and positivity through the insane struggle pretty quickly. Where do you think that came from? Um, I have to give that credit to um, Christ. I, a couple weeks or probably a month or so after he passed away, uh, school was out for the summer and I wanted to go back home to Virginia. I wanted to go see my friends. My mom's parents had were still living there at the time. So I just, I needed to go home. So my mom put my oldest brother, Brett, and I on a plane and we flew home. And I got to stay for a week or two. And while I was there, I had this close, small group of friends uh, that we kind of grew up together. There was four of us. And one of them at the time was really into going to this church. And, you know, church wasn't something that my family in particular was really stern about. You know, we might go on occasion with my grandparents, us kids, but, you know, it wasn't something my parents got up every Sunday and we went and did together. So it was a little different for me to choose to go to church and then make this connection that I wasn't even prepared for. And, you know, it was summertime, a lot of youth activities going on and, Uh, We were at a little concert or something of some sort one evening, and they did an altar call. And I didn't even realize what I was doing when, you know, they had asked if there was anybody that wanted or needed to accept Christ into their life. Unknowingly, you know, my hand went up in the air, you know, something was turning inside of me. I could just, I could feel it, but it's like my brain couldn't even comprehend what I was doing. And, you know, they asked for those that raised their hand to come forward. And before I knew it, you know, my friends were patting me on the back and pushing me toward the front. And I was like, what am I doing? Yeah, like, I remember your that hand. feeling. <laughs> yeah. I remember not knowing exactly where I was supposed to go or who I was supposed to talk to. But just this, like, internal urge to know that, like, yeah. okay, it's my turn and I, I have to do this. Yes. And, I mean, it came at the perfect time. 
Um, it, it is unfortunate it took losing somebody to get there, but you know, everybody's journey is different. And that change in my life pushed me toward the Lord. And if it weren't for that, my life would have been very, very different in dealing with the losses that we've had to deal with. Right. Um, what, what did that shift feel like to you? How did you, how did you feel like your life changed at that moment? Everything just got lighter mm-hmm. and, you know, being surrounded by, you know, such dark and heavy clouds after losing my dad, you know, it, I could feel the weight of it getting heavy on me. And right. it's like, you know, looking back now, I mean, my life could have been very, very different had I not gone to that church and made that choice and opened my heart. Um, it just, everything, the clouds just drifted away. Yeah. You know, my smile came back. My laugh came back. You know, I could look back and realize what had happened and the loss that I had and not feel like it was the end of the world. And it just, everything slowly but surely started to feel a sense of normalcy again, you know, as normal as it could be, you know, nothing will ever be the same after a loss, but you have to find that new normal. And for me doing that made me able to open my heart and my eyes and my brain to accepting what the new reality was around me. I always find it so incredible that when loss or um, tragedy happens, it's it's so easy for us to think that we've been forsaken, forgotten about. Like yeah. this, there's no way that this that good can come from this. But yeah, he's always present, right? And yes. he's always not not far away, not farther than just a call. Um, always there to kind of pick you up right at the right time. And and I know that we can also think that the timing was wrong because it didn't happen sooner. It didn't happen on our watch that we wanted it to happen on, but it sounds like this yeah. hit you at exactly when it needed to. Um, okay. Not a day sooner, not a day too soon or a day too late. Um, that's yes. awesome. How do you feel like that affected those around you when you came back home? You know, I, I think the biggest thing And, you know, maybe it happened to me to help others as well. You know, I think it helped even my mom to see me moving on, to see me smile again. You know, there would be friendships or relationships that would come into my life after losing him. And she would look at that person and say, it's good to see her smile again. Yeah. And, you know, for a parent, I can only imagine how important that is. You know, you can't fix it. And while, you know, of course, a part of me was very broken, I was at such a turning point in my life anyways, being 15, about to be 16, you know, you're getting ready to graduate high school, you're getting ready to go to college, you're just getting ready to grow. And while I was at my peak of growing, I was kind of just cut short in my childhood there. And so I think it really was huge for my mom to see you know, whatever it was that needed to happen, it happened. And it just made me better. It brought me back to life. Yeah. How do you think, or I'm sure you remember, or maybe, maybe this is a part you don't want to remember, but how do you think your mom coped with everything? I know it was much harder on her than she ever showed us kids. 
if she felt like she was going to break down, she would go to her room. You know, she was such a rock for us mm-hmm. and maybe even too much of a rock, I'm sure. <clears throat> but, you know, I know as a parent, I would probably do the same thing to protect your child. You know, you can't let them see you breaking because you have to be strong for them. And she definitely had that mindset, I believe. She uh, she was just incredible. She handled everything with such grace and such kindness towards everybody. She was so appreciative of everybody who was there to help us and everybody who showed love and support to us and for my dad too. You know, there is something so special in seeing so many people gather for him and so many people that were wanting to express their love for him and their heartache and losing him and the memory had of him and the impact that he had. It was just, it was really, really incredible. You know, I think it speaks volume to volumes to the person that your dad was, that he was not here in Texas for very long and yeah. still had such an outpouring of support and um, people who showed up at your house, at your, at the funeral in the days yes. and weeks after, in the years after, um, you know, these people that he worked with and the people he got to know in Texas didn't know him for very long, but it speaks so much about his heart and how welcoming and warm he was. Yes. Um, I've heard, I've heard you call him Jolly Raleigh and that, yes. that was kind of the way that he was <laughs> referred to. I see so much yeah. of that in you too. Um, but that speaks so much about who he was. Um, yes. So how did your brothers cope with this loss? They definitely, it kind of turned into a bidding war almost as to who was going to be the man in the house after that. You know, there was my oldest brother, Brett, was living with us at the time, but my other older brother, Brandon, was still living in Virginia. And so, you know, he ended up shortly after making the move out to Texas. But, you know, it was it was hard for them. And I wish I would have asked them more growing up, you know, how it impacted them, because I can only imagine, you know, the feeling of this such a strong role model. And it was almost like it was harder because he was such a good man to lose him. You know, how can you possibly fill those shoes? How can you possibly live up to his expectations and his achievements that he accomplished while we were growing up? Um, You know, for them, they were so strong and so supportive for me, especially. You know, I remember at his funeral, I didn't want to cry. I hate crying in front of people. There's just Mm -hmm. something about being vulnerable that just disgusts me. I hate it. And look at you. You were so, you were so okay with coming. (laughs) Yes. But I just, I, you know, at that time I didn't, to me, it was very much just a sign of weakness and we kind of all knew. And it was something like we didn't even talk about just, it was, we were going to be strong through this for our dad. You know, he wouldn't want us to break. He wouldn't want us to fall down. He would want us to find a way to rise together. And we kind of, we, we did that. We rallied around each other. And I remember sitting, I don't know. I think I was sitting between both Brett and Brandon, maybe. I know Brett was on one side of me. And I just remember I, I held strong through the entire funeral. And then we played songs for him. And my song that I chose for him, of course, was Butterfly Kisses that I had hoped to one day dance with him at my wedding. Oh, my gosh. Brett put his hand on my leg 
and I looked over and he was crying and I lost it. And we kind of joked about it saying, you know, when that song came on that we had never seen so many grown men cry before. (laughs) But, you know, it was one of those moments where he was breaking right next to me, but he was doing everything he could to hide it and to keep it together to be strong for me. So we all kind of had that feeling. Well, even though the boys had to be the man of the house, you know, my mom and I equally felt the need to be strong for them as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in the next few years, um, you experienced yet another loss. We did. It was uh, May 9th, 2009. This is exactly three years to the day that we buried my father that we got word that unfortunately my brother Brandon had made the decision to take his own life. And where was he at the time? He probably just a couple weeks to a month earlier had gotten a job promotion and had moved to Salt Lake City, Utah. And through a series of events that, you know, led to some troublesome situations for him he decided to I guess kind of take one for the team and he didn't want to be a burden he didn't want to ask for help um so he unfortunately thought that taking his own life would be the easiest solution (sighs) so I can imagine that the loss of your dad compared to the loss of your brother because of the situations both huge loss losses but very different different, of two different kinds completely yes I mean it it changes everything the the healing process was different the grieving process was different the effort it took to accept what happened was different you know it was much easier in a sense to move on from dad's passing because you know it was an accident that you know nobody could have really prevented It was just, you know, something that happened. But for Brandon, you know, we struggled with looking at it as it could have been prevented. And of course, every single one of us that knew him and were have gone through the phase, some of us still do at times thinking, you know, well, we we should have been there. We should have done something. And that's probably, you know, the guilt that we can feel toward ourselves for not knowing and not doing anything and not preventing it was probably one of the worst parts of it. Do you think that's something that y'all still deal with? I think that that's something my mother will deal with for the rest of her life. Out of doubt. Um, as I think any parent would. Of uh, course. No parent wants to lose a child and no parent wants to lose a child by choice. And, yeah. you know, especially with him being so far away, it's not like we could have seen a sign or noticed he was down and gone over there to try and cheer him up. You know, he was in a different state. He was, you know, thousands of miles away. And, you know, just the helplessness in the whole situation that I don't think a parent can really truly recover from. You know, she, my mom especially does the best she can. She is a different breed of person uh, when it comes to this type of thing. How she does it, I'll never know. I'm sure there's days when she doesn't even know, you know, just by the grace of God, she's kept going and kept strong and, you know, kept it together the best she could. But uh, it was definitely, definitely different. 
and we were prepared for. So we know that um, your brother stepped up to be the man, the men of the house for you yeah. and your mom um, after the loss of your dad. And then you lost um, Brandon. What was your relationship yeah. like with Brandon or what was Brandon like? And then we can talk about what your relationship with Brett was like, your older brother. Yeah. Brandon was truly, truly the happy person you would ever encounter in your life. That boy was so smart. He's too smart for his own good. I mean, he would have a book report for school and he'd make the book up, make the author up, write a book report on it and get a 105. No way. Just, yes, ridiculously smart with no effort whatsoever. Now, he didn't have a lick of common sense, <laughs> but when it came to just book smarts, he had it. He was just, he was great. Everybody loved him. He was definitely the life of the party. Everybody was drawn to him. He was funny. He was, you know, the class clown. He would encourage people to do pranks at school. I'm pretty sure at one point he put um, either an Altoid or an Alka-Seltzer tab in his science teacher's fish tank and killed all of his fish. And I remember thinking, dear God, please don't let me get that teacher. Because, you know, coming after Brandon is one thing, but having, you know, there were several teachers growing up, Brett and Brandon, And they would see that last name and I would get an assigned seat the first day of school because of the, you know, the goofiness that they brought to with them everywhere. So uh, (laughs) he, he was definitely, he was a goofball, but he was, everybody loved him. There wasn't a single person that could say anything bad about him. He was just somebody that everybody loved. It's just so shocking that, that his life would end in that way. Um, but I mean, yeah. loss of any kind causes insane amounts of grief. Um, and like we said earlier, grief is different for everyone. Um, so, yeah, it's just crazy to hear the stories about how big of a personality he had and how lovable and great he was to be around and yet still struggled to find, still struggled to find, I guess, his own personal value and reason to stay here and be that for everyone that he had that he had always been for everyone. Um, that's so hard to cope with. I know. Um, yeah. So tell me a little bit about Brett. So Brett was the oldest. Um, he was four years older than me. Brandon was three years older than me, but there was just something about Brett. I don't know if it's cause he was the oldest and I was the baby and the only, the only girl. I don't know, but there's just, there was no separating the two of us. And, you know, when we were super young, I don't think we were that close. But as I got older and, you know, less of an annoying little sister, mm-hmm. um, me and him, definitely, we we grew super close together. He became my best friend. He was my number one cheerleader. He, you know, definitely tried to be nurturing like a father. Um, when I started having kids, he was there for them. He would do anything for them. And, uh he was, he was just, he was my ride or die. We were, I was definitely a mom to him. He would come mm-hmm. home late at night and I'd be waiting up for him and I would have him breathe on me to make sure he wasn't drinking since he was older and allowed to do those things, but no, not <laughs> on my watch. Um, you know, I was always checking on him, always trying to make sure he was, you know, staying in line and behaving himself. And he was just, he was the best. He was my best friend. How did he cope with the loss of your dad and then the loss of his brother? Um, I think the law, 
hit him pretty hard. I know, I think it helped us at one point, Brandon had made a comment saying, you know, he was glad if it had to happen to anybody in the family, he was glad it was our dad because he didn't feel that our dad was strong enough to handle the loss of any of us. Oh, wow. And I think, you know, little things like that, that people can throw at you kind of change your perspective on things. And I Mm -hmm. think that kind of helped Brett feel stronger and more capable Um, so, you know, and I think he felt a sense of pride in being able to step up and be, you know, the man of the house. Right. Um, that doesn't mean he kept up with the yard work like my father did because nobody could do that as well as he did, (laughs) but you know, he, uh, he did, he did okay with dad. Um, but losing Brandon, I mean, of course it hit all of us different. And I think for him, for Brett, feeling like the man of the family and being the oldest sibling and, you know, then losing your little brother, you know, he, Brandon was, I think, 22 or 23 at the time. And, you know, even though he was grown, it was still his little brother. And, you know, he was the last person we would expect to do that. Um, Especially given what our family had been through, we thought surely nobody would make the choice to put us through that. So I'm sure Brett kind of went through an angry phase like we all did. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, he throughout time coped the best he could. Um, He definitely made some very poor choices that got him in trouble. Um, He went down a darker path than we would have liked him to. But, you know, just like I did when the time was right, he started going to church. He became a part of a men's group he got baptized and he really turned it around. He was clean and sober-ish. He uh, was at a high point in his life for sure. Um, just some, somehow, some way he managed to make good of his bad decisions and of the bad things that had happened to him. Yeah. It sounds like you and him were a lot alike in the way that you, um, handled situations that came at you with more positivity than, than some other people. Um, so yet again, your life completely changed for the third time within a decade. (laughs) Tell me about that. Yes. Um, it was June 13th, 2014. Um, we, I was living in Dallas at the time and my mom and Brett were in the Kilgore area. And I got the phone call from my mom and I had been laughing with my kids or something. And she, uh, her tone very quickly changed and, you know, something inside me again, I just knew something was wrong. And she said, are you sitting down? And I said, no. She said, we need to go sit down. So I went to my room and I sat down and uh, she said, you know, there's been an accident and my heart just broke because I knew there wasn't many of us left anyway. So, you know, the, the options were very few and far between to choose from and who it could have been. And she, she finally told me that it was Brett and he had been in a car accident and she said, it's not good. And she said, you need to get here as soon as you can. And I remember getting off the phone with her and, you know, I had three kids at the time. My youngest was just, a little over a year old and my oldest was only five. And I remember my 
my husband at the time coming in and, you know, I had my head down in my lap and he came and he sat next to me and I said, I can't do it again. Mm. But, you know, at that point, there's just, you know, something inside of you, you, you get up and, you know, I told him what was going on then. And I told him, you know, I, I need to get to him. Yeah. So we got somebody to watch the kids for us and he drove me to the hospital and, uh, which was a couple hours away. So that drive couldn't have been longer in my mind, but, Uh uh, you know, got there and got to him and they had him on life support. Still, we knew based on his injuries that he was not going to make it, but we wanted to keep him alive as long as we could in hopes of being able to donate his organs to make light or good of the situation. Um, but it was seeing him that first time was probably one of the hardest things that I had ever seen. It was, it was bad. So tell me what was going through your mind now that you had your eyes and your, I mean, I'm sure you could hold his hand and when he was still alive, but not really there. It was definitely a blessing to us as hard as it is to call that situation a blessing, you know, we learned very early on in our life, you know, after losing more than one person that you have to find the things to be thankful for in the situations. And for me, you know, I, I needed to be there for him. And my mom even told the doctors, they, she said, just keep him alive until she can get to him. Mm -hmm. And so everybody knew, like they just, the goal was to keep him alive till I got there. And you know, I think for me, and I think even for Brett, you know, he, he would have never wanted that situation for me. And I know if he had a choice, you know, he would have stayed, but you know, there's plans out there bigger than us. And whether we agree with it or not, we just have to, you know, accept it and move on and find the good in it. So I was very fortunate and very thankful to be able to be there with him and to hold his hand while he passed away. Cause you know, with, with our dad, we couldn't be there. Mm-hmm. And with Brandon, we didn't know and we weren't there. So for us to be able to be there with him was huge for our family. It's so eye opening, mind blowing that in that situation, just knowing that he was still alive, although you knew that very soon yeah. he would not be that, that, you viewed it as a blessing um, because you hadn't gotten that opportunity twice before. I think yep. we would take that for granted a lot of times because they're, we're still, they're still laying there and they're not themselves, you know, they're in a coma or unresponsive yes. or, you know, so we're mad because, because it happened. And of course I'm sure you still were, but you still saw a silver lining that he was still there and you could physically touch him and pray over him and whatever else, How long was it between the time of the crash to the time that he passed? It was three days. So he had his accident on June 13th and on June 16th, we pulled the plug. And so what did that three days look like for y'all? Did you, did you, did you get to do anything special differently um, that you kind of got to hold on to? Yeah, it was, you know, it was very near and dear to us, you know, the times that we were in the hospital and, you know, people that knew him coming in, 
um, coming to us and sharing stories of, you know, memories with Brett or even of people who Brett helped in some way. We had a young girl come up to us and say, you know, um, how thankful she was for him because she had previously been in an abusive relationship and she was too scared to leave and didn't know how to leave. And she had expressed that, you know, Brett helped her and that, you know, one way somehow he convinced her to leave and to get help. And she did. And, you know, she had said her life is forever changed because of that. And had, you know, he not been in that accident, we might not have never known the impact that he had on other people. Sure. And, you know, my ex-husband had told me in the hospital, because of course, you know, I had many moments where I was very upset. And I was so, I didn't want to be mad because I knew if I got mad, I would never be able to pull out of it. Not with him. Right. But, you know, I was just questioning, you know, why, why, why? And my ex-husband told me, he said, if his accident and losing him can bring just one person to finding Christ, he said, would you consider his loss worth it? And I said, of course. So, you know, it kind of, you know, it's funny how people can just say something so simple to you and it just quickly, you get that attitude adjustment and it changes. Yeah. And you're like, you're absolutely right. You know, the situations around us are so much bigger than us and we're so quick to be selfish and think, you know, why would you do this to me? Why would you take that from me? But if doing that could help somebody, you know, if I had the choice to keep him and that person never find Christ or to lose him and that person find Christ, knowing that Brett had already had him in his heart and knowing where he was going, you know, would I make that selfish decision? You know, we can't do make those decisions for ourselves. Right. You know, we're, we're just not built for that. So, you know, you kind of have to look at it as God has this plan that is so much bigger and you can't time it. You can't, you know, mark it on your calendar and prepare for it. You just have to be patient and trust in him and know that, you know, something good is going to come of it. And if you choose not to find the good in it, then it's only going to make it worse on yourself. Oh, my gosh. That is such a hard thing, a a hard place to come to, an understanding to come to. And I know that you got there just because of the sheer terror that you had been through in the past you know, six or seven years losing all of the men in your family. I mean, the, all the male figures in your family within a decade, you lost them all. Um, you mentioned a lot about the difference that Brett and Brandon and your dad made to those around them. Um, and that you got to get to know some of those stories after they had passed and you mentioned organ donation. Um, were you able to successfully donate Brett's organs? Yes, we were able to successfully donate from Brett and Brandon. And we were fortunate enough to um, receive a letter from a family. Um, My mom, a few years back, received a letter um, from a family that had a son who played baseball. And, you know, they can only give so much information to us. And, of course, everybody has to remain completely anonymous. But... um, he had received a transplant of some sort from Brandon and it changed his life, saved his life. And just for us knowing that somebody 
you know, successfully moved on in their life was amazing to us. And then to know that they were so grateful to take the steps through the process to get a letter sent to us, you know, yeah. that's a lot of effort you have to put into that. You know, you can't just say, Hey, what's the email or what's their address? So I can write them a letter. No, there's just so many people it has to go through in such a process. And, you know, we can be so quick to not do something because we're just lazy or so busy. For, yes. So for somebody to take the time and do that for us was just incredible. You know, little I'm things sure that like that to make so it worth it peace to your family to just yes. know that he still yeah. lived I mean parts of him are still living and of course memories never die um and I'm, yeah. I'm so glad y'all have those to to look back on but even for your kids and nieces and nephews and all of that that get to oh, know yeah. that there's someone still living that has pieces of Brandon that's just so special yeah um so at the time of Brett's death you were a single mom or you were a mom of three you're now a single mom of four which I am I think I should put you on the highest pedestal because (laughs) not only are you a single mom of four but you work shift work and you are a single mom of four to four very active and extracurricularly active kids (laughs) who are in soccer all the time and you're running constantly um I don't know how you do it I look at you as such a picture of inspiration for me to just uh, my kids are getting to the point to where they're going to start extracurricular activities and even the thought of it tires me yes but yeah you're still doing it with so much resolve and a smile and joy um how do you think that the loss of your dad and Brandon and Brett has affected the way that you parent and the way that you mother um I think it it definitely gives you a greater sense of gratitude for every moment that you are able to have with your kids. Um, It makes the hard times a little less hard. Um, You know, even when there's the sleepless nights or the days when they're sick or the days when, you know, you're running 12 to 16 hours a day for sporting events, you know, just knowing that it could all be gone tomorrow just changes the way you look at everything. And, you know, it just, it motivates me. You know, I, we did sports growing up and my dad was in the military and he was at as many events as he possibly could be. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I'm very much the same way. I'm, I'm at everything. I'm at every practice. I'm at the games. You couldn't convince me not to go. You know, I just, I live off of those kids. And, you know, I think a lot of it is I had such a great childhood I am so determined to make sure they have a great childhood because it could all change for them just as quickly as it did. And I feel it's my responsibility to make sure that I instill in them now the tools that they could possibly need later on in life. You know, whether it be the loss of a family member, you know, a grandparent or, you know, loss of a friend. Accidents happen all the time. And so, you know, I just, I have to make sure that they're, ready and that they know they can handle anything that life throws at them. I'm very open with them about the losses of our family members. We talk about them often. My kids share stories about their uncle in school and stuff. You know, they're very much a part of our lives and they know what a rock star their grandfather was. And, you know, I hear my oldest at times consider going into the military And doing something like that because, you know, he knows my grandfather or my dad accomplished so much. He wants to be like his grandpa. 
Right. So, you know, just things like that. And I think for my kids, it makes them appreciate, you know, their family on their father's side as well. You know, my dad's not around to be their grandpa, but their dad's dad is around. Right. So, you know, they have such a deep appreciation for their family because we just work so hard at, you know, loving each other and appreciating everything that we have. So it definitely gives you a greater sense of gratitude for everything that you have. It definitely sounds like your bond with your mom and with um, your ex-husband's family um, definitely strengthened through this time. I can't imagine that it wouldn't, but there are some situations where tragedy breaks families apart and that's not what happened with yours. I'm so glad that um, your kids are able to see this strong relationships formed before they were born or maybe as they were being raised um, so that they know how important family is. And I love that you've instilled the the sense of time and the urgency to just make sure that every moment is cherished. That's yeah. so important. And I think something that we look over a lot because our kids exhaust us or don't stop asking questions or, you know, another <laughs> soccer game, another late night, yes. I haven't had enough sleep and I'm really tired. And I, I know we've all felt that way, but but you put things in perspective because of what you've been through. And, and I love that. I love that reminder for all of us. Um, so you, I mentioned earlier that you work shift work and at some point in the last, I guess, two years or so, you made the decision to seek employment at the very place where your dad lost his life. Tell me. I did. Tell me what that looked like, how long you wanted to do that, what feelings arose from that decision and that process? It, uh, it definitely, it was an easy decision, yet a very hard decision. You know, for me, I, one of the things that I take away from losing my dad is all of the amazing people that rallied behind my family that didn't know us, but they called us kids by name, like they had known us our whole lives. Yeah. They treated us like family. They opened their arms to us. They fed us. They bought paper towel and toilet paper for our home. You know, they just, anything we needed. I got text messages from dads um, saying, I'm taking my daughter to go prom dress shopping. If you would like to come with us, we'd love to take you. We had offers for dads that worked with my father to teach me how to drive. You know, we were in the middle of that process, my dad and I. So just little things that you wouldn't think of that those families felt and they thought of me and uh, you know, it was incredible. And just, I can't say enough good things that our family had. And I can honestly say that, you know, if we didn't have that, our recovery from that loss might've been very different. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it was easy to want to be a part of that community and it was easy for me to want to join it and to be a part of it and to you know, give that to others the way they gave it to us. Right. Um, but it was also very hard because, you know, there's a lot of emotions involved in it, you know, because, yeah, it is a daily reminder that this is the place where my father died. Yeah. But it was never this place's fault. Right. And, you know, there's a lot of times when I didn't want to come out here because I didn't want to disrupt the ones that did know him 
I didn't want to be a daily reminder to them of the loss that they felt because I know everybody out here felt it. Right. So, you know, I kind of felt the weight of, you know, walking by and saying hi to them. I didn't want that to upset them. You know, I didn't want to risk it ever being about me. I didn't want the attention of, you know, being the daughter of the guy that died out here. Um, You know, his story needs to be his story. And it needs to be used as a teaching tool to make sure it never happens to another. Yeah. Yeah. And your story needs to be your story. And it sounds like you're definitely um, creating your own story there. Um, What was it like to come in for interviews and and even to come in every day to work? What's what are the emotions that kind of come over you? Um, I can honestly say that the day of my interviews, I probably had the world breakdown. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I was almost here and I don't know, just like a hot flash came over me and I started to panic. And so I had gotten a text message from somebody um, very near and dear to me that knew my dad and was there for our family and has been there for us ever since. And uh, she knew I was coming in to interview and she had sent me a good luck text and I had kind of told her I was freaking out. And uh, so she, she helped talk me off the ledge a little bit. And uh, so it, uh, it was hard, but I was, once I got here, I was so thankful because, you know, there was people that were coming up and saying, you know, we're glad you're here. And it was like, they just knew who I was, some of them. And, you know, to run into the people that, you know, there's been a couple of them that have said, you know, we're happy you're here and your dad would be proud of you. And just to know that there's people out here that knew him and can give, you know, just little messages like that mean the world to me. So uh, yeah, it's as hard as it was at first to get here. It was absolutely worth it. And I will be forever thankful to be a part of it. You know, I, I know this from just the loss of my grandparents, but when someone tells a story or mentions their name, it makes me feel so good because it feels like they're not forgotten. Yes. I'm sure that you, you feel that way when people tell you stories or just mention your dad to you, but it's also important, I think, and I guess maybe I have kind of not thought about the loss that that workplace felt. Mm-hmm. I think about the loss that y'all felt as a family, but that everyone around him felt that loss. And I bet you that seeing you and probably seeing some of your dad and you makes them feel good. Whereas for so long you were concerned that it would be a reminder and that it would be, you know, bad. I bet yeah. it feels good for them to know that, that you're following in his footsteps and that they get to see a piece of him through you when, when you come in contact with the people that were that were there and knew him and remember how great he was. Um, so what do you, what do you feel when you come in to work every day? I just feel um, pride and knowing that I made it, I got in, they did not have to hire me. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, knowing that, you know, I, I'm here and I have the opportunity to, make a difference and to be a part of such an incredible place. Um, I'm so proud and thankful. Um, 
you know, when I drive in every morning and, you know, I look outside and, you know, we've got the sign that shows that everybody's safe and it just makes me smile and it just makes me so happy. Um, it's just, it's different. You know, I don't think it's differently. It does. It does. And, you know, I don't ever feel that, oh gosh, I'm not work again. You know, it's just, it's forever different for me. And I'm thankful that it's different. You know, not everybody gets that feeling when they go to work every morning. They're not always happy to be there. So I'm, I'm very happy that I have the opportunity to work for a place where I know it is the message is so much bigger than me. And it's such a good message to support. And it's just such an incredible company to support. Right. And I'm just so thankful. I know that has to come, that has to bring up some, some strange emotions and maybe some days hit differently than others. Uh, I'm sure May 5th definitely hits differently as well as the the dates of the passing of your brothers. But um, I know that that place has to be so thankful to have you there. Like I said, just as a memory to know, to know that you're walking in the footsteps, you're doing, you're doing the same thing. You're doing better. You're make you're paving your own road and making your own path. Um, yes. And I know that your kids have to be so proud of you for that too. They are. They um, are. Did you ever go back and finish that math test? I did. I went back <laughs> the morning of my father's funeral. I went early before school and I showed up. My math teacher hugged me. She cried. She didn't like me. Um <laughs> I don't think she was a fan of my father either. We had some issues with her and he had been up to the school not too long before his accident and had a talk with her. And uh, so she, she hugged me and she cried and, you know, I just, I needed to finish it. You know, there was just, I don't know why, but there was something in me. I needed to go get that dang math test finished. So my, I don't remember if it was my mom or my brother, somebody drove me there and they waited in the parking lot for me to finish that test. Oh <laughs> my gosh. I tried, I was finishing it and I was leaving as people were coming in for the day and everyone was like, oh, you're here. And I was like, no, no, I'm not. Actually not. <laughs> and went home and got ready for the funeral. And yeah. <laughs> if that doesn't scream Brittany Bartley, I don't know what does. Uh, you're a doer. And everything is prepared and finished you complete everything that you start I, it's that's awesome that's crazy yeah. honestly <laughs> I'm like screw the math test but of course you went back and yeah, finished it I did I did yeah well <laughs> in closing I have this question and and maybe I don't know what would you tell your 13 year old self before any of this started to happen and you, you had no idea what God had planned for your life. And I'm sure it looked, it had to look completely different than what your plan was. And um, what do you think you would tell yourself to just prepare for what was coming? I definitely would tell myself to be patient. Um, don't waste time being angry. Mm-hmm. Don't think that you have to get over things overnight, you know, somebody changes you, it changes everything. And, you know, the day that I lost my dad, I was not the same person that I was the day before. And, you know, I feel like a lot of us try to get back to that normal and we want to feel normal and we get upset because it's not normal. Well, it's never going to be normal. 
Yeah. You have to be patient and you just have to go through the motions and let it be. And then just find a way to accept how things turn out and how you change. Um, you know, each loss has changed me. And, you know, I often tell people, you know, our family motto has kind of been, you know, somebody else has it worse. And we don't ever take pity on ourselves. And, you know, for my mom and I, even we lost the same people, but we had very different losses. I lost a dad and two brothers. She lost a husband and two sons. And we both had to learn to accept who each other was after each loss. Right. You know, she was not the same person. She wasn't the same mother after those losses. And I wasn't the same child that she raised. And so, you know, you have to be patient with yourself and you have to allow yourself to grow and you have to know that it is okay to change. You have to accept what has happened to you or the you can't. And I think let- grief, it doesn't ever go away. It might look a little bit different, but it doesn't ever go away. It's something that you have to grow with. You've said that word several times, grow. Yes. You have to let yourself grow, but the grief kind of sticks with you. Um, and everyone grieves differently, as we said. And I think you're a picture of making sure everyone's feelings feel valued and that yes. they we don't tell anyone that they can't feel that way. We don't tell anyone that their feelings are invalid. Um, Y'all have definitely personified that. I think that's so important for us to remember because, because things just look, grief looks differently for everyone and mourning looks differently for. um, Yes. I love that. I love that you said, don't spend too much time being angry. Yes. Obviously, we all feel like we could be angry for years, especially when someone is taken from us so soon and, and sudden, tragically. Um, you, you, could, just, you, you have could have to find a lot of in it. Yeah. yeah. You, have to, you have to learn to be thankful even for the tears. You know, there's times still that, you know, I'll have moments and I'll just really feel like I wish I had my dad. And you have to learn that it is okay to cry over them still. Mm-hmm. You know, to me, I have learned to appreciate every single tear because those tears that I'm crying are because I lost somebody so special and so good that, you know, 16, later, I, 16 years later, I can still cry over him. Yeah. Some people never had that kind of father in their life to 16 years later, still miss them and, and just yearn for them at times. So, you know, I'm so thankful for the time that I have thankful for the tears that I have, because they are just proof that, you know, the memories I had were so good and so strong and it's okay to miss them. Yeah. It's okay. It doesn't mean I'm still, you know, broken. It doesn't mean that I haven't moved on. It's just, you know, memories hit you sometimes and life hits you and, You know, you go through the motions and you go through lessons and things change and, you know, it is, it's okay. It's all okay. It's all part of life and you just have to just be patient and go through it. What a precious reminder that we get to feel all the things and that they're all important. Yes. Um, okay, Brittany. Well, I think that's all I have for you. Thank you so much for coming on and talking to us. Um, this story is 
so big and I think we could have gone down 18 different avenues here and feel like we did a pretty good job of um, narrowing it down but I I think I could talk to you for days and days about (laughs) your life and what all this has meant for your family I feel like I want to interview everyone in your family including all four of your kids (laughs) Um, oh lord (laughs) yeah let's all Katie bar the door on that one Um, but thank you so much for coming on and sharing and and just being a light to those around you you're such an inspiration uh you you. inspire us all to be brighter and more positive in times of strife um so thank you for being that for all of us you're very welcome i'm happy to shed light in people's lives and to help those that are going through things too you know why why go through something if you can't share it and help somebody else through that same situation so I'm happy to do it that speaks volumes about you and your family so all right sis thank you so much thank you all right bye